So look at this. We're live. We're live, and we officially have our second guest on the podcast. So there's there's four. This is it, is it went from maybe we would do a podcast to let's do a podcast to Tom is now on the podcast and well Tom has always been on the podcast. Tom Tom, Tom has been the pillar since the beginning. We wouldn't have a podcast if it weren't then, for Tom. And then Andrew, you're uh, you're our first actual remote guest. Yes, this is exciting. Cool. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I hope you you see it as much of a distinct honor as it is a distinct pleasure for us to have you. I this will go down in history as one of the proudest days of my life. Uh, that's <laughs> wow. good. Me too. Right. For, for what right. it's worth. <laughs> Tom, where does this rank for you? Uh, certainly top five. Anyway. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Maybe I'll jump in and give a little bit of background and catch Stephen and Tom up to what's been going on. Because, Andrew, I've spoken to you and uh, and I've spoken to Stephen and Tom, but we haven't had the four of us together ever. And I think, Tom, you're probably most out of the loop. So maybe I'll take a step back and talk about this incredible newsletter that I've been subscribed to for uh, for quite a while now. Many, it, it seems like multiple years, but I, I don't even know how long Startup Watching has been around. But um, Startup Watching, a newsletter which I subscribe to, and I think Stephen subscribes to. And Andrew, can you give us a little background on, uh, you don't have to jump into how it came to be that you are curating Startup Watching, but maybe a little bit of the background of Startup Watching generally with Bram and um, how he got that started. And uh, we can introduce Tom to the world of Startup Watching. Yeah, absolutely. So Bram Kansin is an incredible serial entrepreneur in, um, based out of Amsterdam. And he started startup watching as, I think, a bit of a personal challenge to himself. He wanted to see what could happen if he regularly for an entire year put out good content. And so he decided to do it through a newsletter. Um, He seeded the newsletter with uh, some emails from his personal list and from uh, a list that he grew through Startup Stash, which is one of his other projects, and I believe is still like the number one product on Product Hunt um, of all time. Uh, may have been passed by now, but it was for a long time. Um, and uh, so we see it with some emails and started, and I think it's really only been a little over a year. Um, we're at something like 130, 135 issues. Uh, it goes out twice a week, Monday and Thursday. And yeah, I took over about a month, month and a half ago. Yeah. So let me pause there for a second, because sure. I think, Stephen, you for sure are familiar with Startup Stash. Yeah, of course. Right? Yeah. The yes. name sounds very familiar. It's and the website where you have the grid, basically, of like every component of things that a oh, startup would yeah, need. Yeah, for and sure. then all the resources. For sure. And, and that, we also saw it when there was another individual that was putting together like a list of, remember... 500 of the top things for entrepreneurs. Right, and it was on, Startup Stash was on there. Well, it's like the, I I completely agree with you, Andrew. I don't don't know if it's still the number one. It very well may be, but at least in my mind, it's the number one. Like, it's one of those fantastic resources that has just been given to the community. Yeah, it's a pretty cool resource. And he actually sold that as well, Um, uh, maybe like six months ago. I don't know the exact timing. Oh, I didn't even Um, know that. Yeah, yeah. So he built that up um, and used that to seed startup watching um, and uh, also obviously just turned it into an incredible resource for new entrepreneurs. So 
Brom has had an incredible impact on the startup community. He's made some amazing projects. He's he had grown startup watching from nothing to about eleven thousand readers. Wow. I'll tell you what Sujan Patel, uh, who is very well known in the startup community, says about startup watching. Says it has some of the best startup insights and stories on the web. It's one of the few emails I actually look forward to receiving. Uh, I know that I feel the same way when I get that, that that email all the time. And then, what was it, Andrew? Probably about a month or six weeks ago, I got an email in my inbox, and all of a sudden there was a new name attached to it. Well, even sorry to pause you there, even rewind just a little bit because uh, we had been connected with Brom, I guess, uh, a, a few months back, right? And well, this actually goes back a few years. So we'd been talking with him for years right. about uh, having him come over to Fireside and looking for ways to oh. collaborate. And we spoke to him, I think, going into our second yes, year. Yes, 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 When we had no, absolutely no notoriety, no one knew about us. We were still very local in the community. Now. So we've, <laughs> we've been doing this for five years, but we're going to our fourth awesome. event. And it's it's really between last year and this year that we've taken a more of a global perspective and really started to get awareness and and build our community all over the world where we now have people coming into Fireside from Australia and from all over Europe and South America and the United States and, of course, in Canada. But when we were talking to Brom two years ago, it was asking this guy from the Netherlands to come over to a conference that was mostly going to be Canadians, mostly going to be people from Toronto. So we, we weren't sure exactly if it was a great fit. And after last year, we sort of knew it would be. And so leading up to this year, we were talking about working with Startup Watching, getting some of that community to come and join us, but also about having uh, Brom come and uh, join us as well. And uh, and then, as I say, so to digress back from that tangent, we then, uh, having been working with him to galvanize the community a little bit, got an email about six or so weeks ago. And Andrew, correct me on my timing when that was sort of announcing and exactly does that right. sound about yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, announcing and introducing you sort of, I think, to the community in many ways without warning, except although I do know that the way that you got connected with him, I don't want to jump in and spoil the story, but I know a lot of this really started with a tweet. And maybe you can take us back to that, when that was, and how it came to be that I ended up getting an email from you in my inbox. <laughs> uh, I love the way you put that. Um, so yeah, I, like you, have been a Startup Watching subscriber for a long time. Um, one of the things that I think initially drew me to it was I was writing content for startups for my day job. And um, so I'm a partner at a design and development studio called Crit. We help non-technical founders build tech products. So um, everything from design to web mobile app development. Um, yeah, we help non-technical founders get their ideas off the ground. Um, so I was writing content for my day job to promote Crit. And Startup Watching was one of the few newsletters I was able to find that had a submissions page. And I thought that was really cool. Um, you know, it's so hard to get content out there once you've written it um, that the fact that there was a newsletter who was openly saying, we want your submissions, bring them to us, was, was interesting to me. And so I've been a subscriber for a, a long time now. Um, I 
feel like about six months or a year. And then one day I'm just uh, probably putting off writing a blog post <laughs> and I'm scrolling through Twitter and saw that Brom was selling it. Um, and my very first reaction was, oh no, Brom does such a great job, what's going to happen? to start up watching. And then my immediate reaction after that was, wait, I could maybe buy this. Um, and I clicked through, he, he put up a little page through a website called TransferSoft, uh, which is actually run by a, a friend of mine. Um, and I was looking at it and the price was high, um, but felt very reasonable and was just at the outer range of something that I felt like I could do. Um, and it just felt like this really natural fit because of the content I was writing for Crit and the content that I just obsessively read uh, as a startup nerd. <laughs> um, and so the more I thought about it, the more interested I became. I, I just felt like this was an opportunity. Um, I've also, for a long time, um, I've become a big believer uh, in the, the startup advice. It's, it's not new advice, um, but the classic startup advice that to, you know, build a really great product, you should first build a great audience. And so this was an opportunity that felt like a really natural fit to sort of jumpstart my personal audience, um, to jumpstart an audience that could be leveraged to do bigger things. And um, I felt like I could do a really good job of maintaining the quality of startup watching. So um, right away, I, I think I wrote him a, an email first and then immediately was like, I should follow this up with a tweet. And so followed it up with a tweet and then um, I think DM'd him as well, just, just to make sure he got the message. <laughs> <laughs> you were persistent. This is how we do deals in 2018, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wanted to make sure he saw me in. Um, I think, you know, when he didn't respond within five minutes, because God forbid he have a life, um, I was like, oh, he's not going to, he's not going to want to talk to me. <laughs> but, but he did, and he immediately, very quickly at least, responded to that email um, and said that he was interested and that he thought it could be a really natural fit, too. Um, and so then we took the conversation from there. So, actually, one thing I'm curious about, Andrew, from earlier on in what you were telling us, did you actually end up successfully submitting something and having it appear in Startup Watching, the newsletter? Uh, yeah, actually, I've had several articles appear in Startup Watching. So um, I don't know the exact number, but probably four or five over the last year. So um, yeah, I've definitely had stuff submitted. And the submission page is still there, by the way. We don't get a whole lot of submissions, as I've found out since I um, took it over. But um, it's still there and would love for more people to, to submit content they're writing. Good content, of course. So, so where does someone go if they want to submit content for Startup Watching? Um, if you just go to startupwatching.com, uh, there's a big button uh, towards the bottom of the page that says Submit. And you fill out a short form. Um, I've actually been procrastinating on setting up the... Um, the Zapier integration, so I need to do that. Right now it still goes to Brahms email. <laughs> so I need to, that's one of the last things that I've needed to switch over. Um, but I will make it a promise that by the time this podcast comes out, I will have done that. <laughs> and, well, this yeah, podcast, yeah, this yeah, podcast is coming out in... We're live to air, so uh, you're screwed. <laughs> oh, great. 
Well, shortly after this podcast comes out, I will have done that. <laughs> so I'd love to get a, get a sense of like uh, when you send these out. To to what extent do you get to know your your audience? Then your your as you said about six weeks in um, to mm-hmm. sending these out. Um, you know what 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 have you learned so far about your audience? Yeah, so that's something that I want to continue to do more of. Um, initially, when I wrote the blog post, uh, so I wrote a blog post about the acquisition and tried to be super transparent, and I got a ton of, of great feedback and an outpouring of support from that. Um, I think it really resonated with people. And so, um, and then I also, um, in my introduction, asked people to introduce themselves to me. And um, told them that I would feature a few of the people who I thought were doing really interesting things. Um, and I probably got 50 or 60 responses to that, which was incredible. I tried to respond to every single one of them. Um, and really, it was interesting to, to get to know the audience a little bit there. Um, since then, it's definitely weaned off a little bit. So that's one of the things I'm going to be working on over the next couple months is figuring out more ways to engage the audience and get to know them on a personal level and, and try to build a relationship with them. Um, but from that initial email and from some of the things I've seen since, I mean, we've got people all over the world, um, a lot of founders, so a lot of people who are really working on things themselves, um, small software projects, but, um, you know, there's a guy who is, um, has started a sushi restaurant in Amsterdam. There's uh, a woman who's developing an app to help kids tell their stories um, and parents to capture these incredible stories and this incredible imagination um, that their kids have. So there's some people working on just such an interesting range of things. Um, and I definitely want to find more ways to, to um, promote that and promote them and give them a chance to grow. Um, it's, it's been exciting and I'm excited to do more of that. Amazing. Uh, you mentioned something before about, you know, kind of quote unquote procrastinating to get, uh, that Zapier integration <laughs> in and, and yeah. I, I, I only smile because, um, you know, as, as someone who's running something, you know, with a full-time job, uh, and, and for Fireside, it's very much the same for us where we have these amazing side hustles that we want to kind of give everything we got, but life and, and work sometimes comes in the way. How has that been, um, you know, with, with a passion project and, and, and uh, at the same time, you know, you're working full time and, and, and trying to make ends meet that way as well. Yeah. So that's definitely a challenge that I'm aware of and I'm trying to solve. Um, so the first few weeks I was super excited. Obviously I had, you know, started watching was this shiny new toy for me. So I spent pretty much every night thinking about it, drove my girlfriend crazy. Um, talking about all the things that I wanted to do. Um, and so I've tried to pump the brakes a little bit, and I'm trying to get good at, at sectioning my time. So since the newsletter goes out on Monday and Thursday, I'm trying to spend most of my time working on it on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights, and then trying to you know, give myself a break in between that. Um, we'll see how well that works. Uh, there's a good number of things that I want to do to grow it, and so I'm sure I'll have to bleed out of that. But I want to try to get good at, at quarantining my time in that way so that I can kind of control that because I don't want to get burnt out because if I do, then it's going to just be so hard to write it. 
Um, I've already experienced that a little bit. Uh, the Twitter account is, has been neglected the past couple of issues because um, that's not something that's as interesting to me personally. So it's you know a lot easier for me to write things rather than it is for me to queue up a bunch of tweets. Um, so you know there's going to be a balancing act for sure, and I'm still finding that uh, six weeks in, it's definitely still an experiment. Um, I also know that in order to grow it, I'm probably going to have to produce even more content. Um, and but I'm trying to be very thoughtful about how I do that. Um, I'm not just jumping in and, and starting to crank stuff out because I I am aware that um, my time is limited, and if I you know invest too much again, I, I risk burnout. And I really want to find a medium where I can run this. And I do really enjoy writing the newsletters. Um, I I enjoy talking to people who respond to them. Um, but I, I want to find a healthy, healthy balance there, as, as we all do. Um, don't have any great answers yet, but for right now, what I'm trying is, is that quarantining of the time, um, if that makes sense. Andrew, is it public knowledge how much you paid for startup watching? Yeah, it is not public knowledge. Um, that's one of the few things that uh, I couldn't share from, you know, asked me to keep that private. Um, I paid... I will say I paid less than the asking price, but not drastically less. So, um, is it the, is it a five figure number? More than ten thousand dollars? Yes, yes. I paid I paid more than ten thousand dollars for it, less than seventeen thousand. So, um, so that, that's <laughs> not a that's not a small chunk of money. Like I don't just have ten fifteen thousand dollars lying around in my bank account, and I'm I'm going to make an assumption. Maybe you did just have a spare fifteen thousand dollars lying around, but. <laughs> If not, not exactly. how did you manage to act so quickly and figure this all out? I, I really want to figure out how you went from seeing this tweet to seeing yep. the asking price, realizing what that would cost you, what the opportunity cost would be, because you could use that money to buy any number of other things to help you achieve your goals of building an audience or reaching new people. Sure. What was it that allowed you to feel good about sending that money over to Brahm, taking this on and making the investment. How did you actually go about doing that mentally? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, and the first part of that answer is that I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And so that probably means I'm a little bit deranged. I'm a little bit um, <laughs> overly optimistic as we all have to be. Um, if we you know, weren't overly optimistic, none of us would get into this in the first place because there are certainly better ways to make money. <laughs> so, you know, take everything I say with a grain of salt. Um, but when I saw the tweet, um, I, I guess I'd been kind of looking for something like this, um, maybe subconsciously, maybe without even realizing it. Um, and so it just felt like the right opportunity and the uh, price that we, we got down to was just at the limit of what I had in my um, personal savings and then um, interestingly enough uh, we ended up doing the deal in Ethereum um, the cryptocurrency oh wow, wow. yeah and so um, I had you know sort of at the um, not at the very beginning but uh I bought into Ethereum when it was around two hundred dollars a coin, um, and so I had, you know, again 
because I'm crazy, a little crazy and a little overly optimistic, I you know, gambled with a little bit of money, um, decided that I was willing to risk it. And, and so I hadn't made a crazy amount. Um, I'm not one of those you know, crypto investors who is suddenly a billionaire. Um, but I had, I had a few thousand dollars um, in Ethereum that I was able to invest as well. And so by pooling that with um, my personal savings, I was able to just uh, afford to um, pay for sort of watching at the asking price. So when I say I emptied my savings to buy a newsletter, which was the title of that blog post, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, not, wow. I'm not being facetious. <laughs> I, um, I really did uh, just about empty my savings. Um, and yeah, I think it was just, you know, this crazy bit of optimism, um, because I'd been a subscriber for a while and I knew the quality, um, I felt good about it. I felt like, you know, what Brom had built was, you know, was really solid. Um, but I also could see how I could grow it. And then too, because it was such a natural fit again with my day job and the business that I run. Um, because, you know, we are working with early stage startups uh, at Crit, you know, I figured in the worst case, maybe I, you know, could get a, a client from um, startup watching, you know, promote some of our content and so it might be worth it there. Um, so it was definitely a, a risky venture um, and, you know, we'll see if it will pay off. Um, I will say Brom was awesome. He had a couple of sponsors already pretty much lined up that he passed over to me right away. And then the blog post got some attention. So, um, you know, not including my initial investment, uh, started watching is currently profitable. Um, if you just <laughs> count the, what, the monthly run rate versus what we brought in, uh, still obviously working back towards that investment. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely optimistic for the future. I think, um, I think there's a lot that can be done to grow the audience. Um, and I also think that, you know, as great a job as Brahm was doing, I think, um, I think I see some opportunities to build more community and to bring a more personal connection to the, the newsletter and to newsletters in general. Um, and I've been talking to a couple of friends who run newsletters about some of that um, and would be happy to sort of share some of those ideas. but. Um, yeah, so I'm optimistic. So what are some of those ideas? Because I've been getting startup watching now probably close to from when it started and nothing much has changed. It's remained fantastic throughout, but it hasn't changed much. And you want to grow it. You want to build some community. You want to innovate a bit. What are your initial ideas? How are you going to do that? Yeah, uh, great question. So so I, I probably have too many ideas right now. So I, I want to listen to the community and I want to see what they want. And I, I need to challenge myself as every entrepreneur does not to just get in my own head and do what I want to do, but to do what the audience wants me to do. Um, I think content's going to play a part. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, content is, you know, why people come to start up watching the, early traction from the blog post about the acquisition um, showed me that that's going to be an effective way to grow it. Um, you know, we probably got a hundred to 150 new subscribers from that blog post, which was awesome. Can't expect that to happen every single time, <laughs> but uh, that was a really encouraging sign that there's some traction to be gained there. 
Um, so content, definitely going to be one way to, to, to grow it. Um, whether that's blog posts or a podcast, I'm still deciding, but uh, I will definitely be producing some more original content soon. Um, the other thing that I want to do is um, I want to build more of a sense of community. That's something that I've, I have been asked about from readers, and so I think there is a desire for that. Um, I'm not going to try to launch right off the bat into building a Slack group or a Facebook group or something like that. Again, trying to be aware of my own time constraints, but I want to find subtle ways to build that community. So one thing I'm going to try to start doing is rolling out um, spotlights. Uh, so starting in a few weeks, newsletters will start to, at least occasionally, maybe every week, I'm not sure yet, include spotlights of subscribers. And so I want to find little ways like that to highlight the, the audience that we have and give them ways to interact with each other. Um, another thing that I'm going to be experimenting with, and uh, you're actually going to be my first experiment with this, is I want to try to do some newsletter takeovers. So I've noticed, um, I've started watching a lot of YouTube videos lately. Uh, I know I'm late, a little late to that train, but um, <laughs> I've, I've noticed that a lot of these brilliant creators do these really interesting collaborations where they'll show up in each other's videos, they'll produce videos simultaneously, um, and they'll use this as a way to, to tap into each other's audiences. And as far as I can tell, the only way newsletters have done that so far is just a, a shout out, a link to another newsletter. And that's kind of boring. That doesn't add a ton of value for the readers. So what I'm gonna be experimenting with is um, newsletter takeovers. Um, and so, you know, I want to find other creative people who are doing interesting things um, and basically hand them the reins to start up watching for a day and you know, get them to share a little bit about themselves. Um, get them to share some of the blog posts that have been most influential to growing their career and try that as a way of collaborating. Um, also looking for more ideas on collaboration there, so open to it. Um, and then finally, the last thing that I've got sort of in the box, this will probably come later uh, a few months from now, but I've got a couple of ideas for um, some tools that I'd like to build. So I, even though my job now is mainly sales and marketing and um, writing, I am a developer by trade. So that's, I started off as a, develop, as a developer. Um, I've been an iOS developer and a front-end developer at times. So I, uh, I would like to, to hone those skills again, make sure that they're not getting too rusty. Um, and I've got a couple ideas for some, some interesting tools that I'd like to build that I think could be um, really valuable for people in our audience um, and an interesting way of experimenting with growth. Um, so I know that's a lot of answers. I, I hope I didn't ramble too much. What's an example of one of the tools you're hoping to build? Ooh, I don't know if I'm ready to share that yet. Uh, I, how about this? I'll, I'll say that, um, I'll talk a little bit about the problem that I'm trying to solve. Um, so I have, through my job, had to um, design some pitch decks for startups. And I've noticed that if you're not a designer by trade, um, so if you're not really, really, really comfortable in Illustrator and some of these other tools, but you still have a keen eye for design and you want to create really beautiful slide decks and uh, in particular, beautiful graphs, that can be tricky to do. Getting um, 
graphs that you uh, can use to show off the, the metrics that your startup, um, that tell the story of your startup um, and have them be, you know, correct so that, you know, they're proportional, they're, you know, accurate, um, but also still have them be beautiful is a challenge right now that I see. Um, so I'm still doing some, I need to do some validation to see if I'm the only one experiencing that or if others experience that as well. But um, that's the kind of thing I want to do. I want to find problems that, that startup founders have um, and, and then solve them in a new and interesting way. Um, and then give that away for free um, at first, at least to, to grow the grow the audience. Um, and then maybe I, I have a couple of things too that might just be fun. So we'll see where those go. Fantastic. Where I'm, I'm looking forward to at the very least seeing that. And I know Stephen Stephen loves his graphs, so he's probably looking yeah, forward to yeah. that as well. <laughs> well, you, you you had me earlier when you were already talking about Zapier, so uh, I'm sure we'll align very. Very well with whatever you're building. So I want to cool. say we are we're honored and we're also very very excited to be the first group that is doing a takeover of the newsletter. And I want to give you a yeah. brief update because we took uh, we saw that as a, a great amount of responsibility on us. And not yeah. only are we looking to source great content for the newsletter that's already there online and that we're discovering. But we actually reached out to a couple members of our fireside community and asked them if they could pen brand new blogs and posts under the umbrella of the type of content that is important to us. And these are people that are fantastic writers. One of them actually is an author who has been a two-time fireside alumni and has just incredible vision on these sorts of topics that are important to us. So we're excited to to take part in helping produce new original content for startup watching, but also to help find some content for the takeover. That's awesome. I'm excited for that. I want to ask you one, one last question because I'm, I, I'm still going over my mind in, at least to me, the risk and the level of investment that you made to undertake this is one of the things that sure. always inspires me most about entrepreneurs is the risks that they're willing to take and the risks that would give me so much consternation and anxiety, but which others sometimes are just able to do. And I, I can never quite figure out how or why or the sorts of things that you think about in contemplation of this. And one thing that that um, keeps surfacing in my mind as I think of startup watching is how there was such a connection and an affinity between startup watching, Bram, and his audience. And this... That, to me, is another layer of risk when you're sure. taking over a newsletter. So it's you weren't just taking over some random email list. You were taking over an email list with an audience that, that many of them probably know about Startup Stash. They know about Bram. Probably one of the reasons they subscribed to it in the first place was because of him. And here you are, this unknown who people in the community aren't familiar with. And yes, you have these plans of how you're going to resonate with the community and build community. But there's that risk that the second I got that email saying, hey, I'm Andrew, I'm taking over startup watching, I might just scroll to the bottom and click unsubscribe. Sure. Was Did that ever surface in your mind? And what, uh, I mean, have you seen any effects of that? Have you seen any issues from that? And what did you have in place to mitigate that risk if it was even something that you assessed as being a risk? Of course, that that crossed my mind. I am very optimistic. I'm very risk tolerant, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not crazy, so 
I knew that that was a possibility. Um, I knew that that could happen. And uh, I was I was a little nervous about it. I was a little scared. What's going to happen the day that Ron announces this? What's going to happen when um, people start seeing my name? And one of the first pieces of feedback I got was people were like, hey, maybe you shouldn't just have this come from Andrew Atkins. Maybe you should have it come from Andrew at Startup Watching. You know, um, and that was something I considered. But um, I didn't do that. I didn't have it. I, it still comes from Andrew Askins because, again, I do want to build that personal relationship, that trust with people. I know that's going to take time. That's totally fine. Um, but that's one of my goals, and so I need to stick to that. Um, and as far as you know, what was going to happen, you know, at the end of the day, there wasn't a ton I could do to mitigate it. Um, I, I wrote the blog post. I tried to be super honest and transparent. Um, and I think that that helped because I think people that gave people a chance to get to know me a little bit, to get to know the way I think about things, to see the process and how it happened. Um, so they knew I wasn't someone who was just going to start spamming them with a bunch of crappy content, but I really cared about keeping up the quality. And I really hope that that's the message they got from that blog post. Um, but beyond that, I mean, I kind of just had to trust the um, trust the audience, trust the process a little bit. And the, the outpouring of support I've gotten since has been incredible. Um, I think, you know, I've had like maybe one person say they weren't super happy, but that's compared to 50 or 60 people who've reached out to say, you know, great job, we're, we're enjoying the content, keep it up, which I'm so, so appreciative of. Um, and we definitely lost some people in the transition. Uh, we lose people every single newsletter that goes out. That's a fact of life when you're running an email newsletter. Um, you know, people are going to get tired of, of things. They're going to, you know, their lives are going to change. Maybe they're not focused on startups anymore. Maybe they're doing something totally different. And so you've just got to learn to be willing to um, accept that and be okay with that. Now, I'm a pretty competitive person as well, so I'm never completely 100% okay with it. Um, and I think that's fine too. Um, but you know, you've got to be willing to understand again that that's just part of the process. Um, and you know, they didn't disappear in flocks, uh, for which I'm very thankful of. You know, um, I think our, the number of unsubscribes, you know, went down for the first couple of weeks. It's it's probably back to about normal right now. But uh, it really seems like the community was willing to give me a chance, which again I'm super super thankful for. Um, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, and so far I got to say we are really happy that we gave you a chance because we have been really enjoying the newsletter uh, for the last month and a half. And I, I want to thank you for being our second guest on the Fireside Podcast. It's Absolutely. been a, a real pleasure having you on. One thing that came to my mind when you were talking about community and building community is how great of an opportunity we have to bring together some of the startup watching community in person at Fireside this September 6th to 9th to join you and 400 other entrepreneurs and founders and investors um, in the the wild north of Canada for uh, an amazing weekend. So that's hopefully one way that we can help galvanize the community and the audience. Absolutely. And uh, I have to say, I have, um, I have probably enough questions to continue going for another hour or so. But uh, I know we have a hard stop time coming up in a couple minutes from now. So, again, I just want to thank you for joining us. I uh, wish you 
Incredible luck. So can I flip the script on you real quick before we go? Can I ask you a couple questions? Yeah, For please. Sure. Awesome. So I'd love to just hear, um, like you said, we're hoping to bring the fireside community and the startup watching community together with this podcast. And I'm hoping that in a couple of weeks when we uh, roll out the recorded version of this to startup watching, that you'll get a, a good number of people who tune in and listen. So I'd love for you to tell those people what Fireside's all about and what makes it such a special conference. Um, and then maybe I'll chime in on why it was so interesting to me and why I was willing to you know, have you guys as the first takeover, um, which I think really comes down to, again, there being a really natural fit. Um, but yeah, can you tell, tell uh, Startup Watching and the rest of the listeners what Fireside's all about? For sure. Um, about five years ago, uh, I had a dream. Well, actually, many, many years before that. More I than five say. years ago. Uh, <laughs> I spent over 23 or 24 years in camping. Uh, I grew up in summer camps as a camper, staff. That's actually where I met Tom, our producer, uh, and played lots of music and met lots of people. And that's where you met me as well. That's, that is totally true. Uh, so about five years ago, deciding that, you know, being a camp director is not only hard, but, uh, like a, a like an amazing newsletter, like startup watching, they don't come around very often. Uh, and, and the dream of becoming a camp director wasn't exactly there, but the idea of camping, the idea of bringing people together, the idea of bringing people together, disconnected, uh, with, with a goal of really connecting with one another was still alive and well. And I turned to Dan and we both said, we can do something much better than the traditional conference. We should do it with an eye to all the amazing things that camp has to offer, both activities and uh, the setting and obviously the campfires and all the amazing things that go into to, to summer camp. Let's transform that for adults and bring together the best startups, investors, influencers, all of these amazing people in our community and bring them together for a weekend. And that's really where Fireside was born. Uh, you know, in our first year, we were all about the people in our direct community. It was very Toronto focused. Uh, and as we've grown year over year, uh, we've welcomed people literally from all over the world. Uh, this year, uh, we hope to bring 400 people, uh, as Dan had said before, investors and founders from literally all corners of the globe. We have people from Australia, Cyprus, uh, Vancouver, uh, Indonesia. We're, we're so thrilled that people want to uh, come over to, to this beautiful summer camp that we have at Fireside to simply just disconnect for the weekend and learn a ton. We focus just so much on learning from one another, but also looking to our attendees to also help in the teaching aspect. Uh, there's this great give and take that happens throughout the weekend where people, uh, you know, of, of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of diverse backgrounds are coming together to teach uh, and learn from one another uh, around just an amazing piece of property. Obviously, I'm completely biased because that's where I, I grew up going to camp. Uh, so, of course, I think it's the most beautiful place on earth. I know that uh, Dan would think the same thing. And I know certainly Tom would say the same thing. Uh, Tom Tom uh, knows camp just as about just as well as anyone out there. And, and uh, we're so thrilled to, to invite people out to Fireside this but year. But there's, there's a beauty about camp that goes beyond just the landscaping right. and the yes. lakes. It's, yeah. uh, it's that uh, ephemeral and sort of intangible 
feeling and vibe when you go up to camp. Like you can't bring together the startup community in sweatpants right. and without business cards and without cell phones and having people be a little muddy and sometimes be a little bit cold or a little bit uncomfortable and put them in bunks and have them two and a half hours from the closest airport. You can't do that just about anywhere. Right. Like that camp vibe, the way relationships form and networks grow without outright networking. Yep. That's yep. That encapsulates the beauty of it. It's this idea, and we've used it a lot, exactly as Dan's saying, of this idea of, of owning a certain level of discomfort. Uh, and that comes from so many different ways. You know, it's it's difficult in many ways uh, to attend Fireside. You know, we limit it to a certain number of people. Uh, for those that are from out of Toronto, they have to fly in and then drive three and a half hours. It's, it's uh, There's no cell reception. We put barriers that are... You know, not intentional, but I mean, well, they are just, intentional. They are intentional. They are guess, intentional. In our first year, we weren't sure what to do with the fact that we had no cell reception. Should we? Should we announce that, or should we just? Uh, should we kind of not make a big deal about it? And we decided we should own this entirely. That that people yeah. need to have that little sense of discomfort. That we're going to get the best of the best by virtues of putting these barriers up. Uh, it's very much uh, the same as building any other community. It's just we're we're much. Smaller, we, we we have a cap to the number of people, uh, and and there's many reasons for for what makes it special. But uh, I think those two, both the disconnecting and and just owning a level of discomfort, uh, is what has made this such a, such a great event the last four years. Andrew, what was it that resonated with you? So I mean, it's exactly that. Um, I actually had just gotten back from one of the larger tech conferences in, in North America, I believe. I, I won't say which one, and I just didn't get a good feeling from it at all. I felt um, like there was just a bunch of crap being pushed on me. The talks were super short and not super meaningful. I ended up spending most of the time with the people I came with. And um, while that was fine because they're incredible people and it was a great chance to, to get to spend some personal time with them, I didn't get that feeling of going to a new place and meeting all of these incredible people who I knew were there, um, who I wanted to build relationships with. And so when I saw Fireside, um, I grew up going to camp and I've had some incredible experiences where I got dropped with strangers in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, you have to slog through some stuff and you do some funny things that make you put you outside of your comfort zone. And I love that feeling so much. It's such a powerful experience. And so the idea of doing that with startup founders, and freelancers and entrepreneurs, putting them in that situation it just was the most natural seeming way to build uh, relationships, real relationships that I've ever seen. And um, networking to me is about building real relationships, not about p- passing out business cards. Um, so right. I just, it, it just immediately clicked for me. And I'm super excited to, to go and um, to experience it. Uh, one more question if we have time. For sure. What is y'all's favorite story so a real story about fireside whether it's someone who you met there who just blew you away um a funny thing that happened what's give us one good story of something great that's happened at fireside dan that's a tough one we like it's it's, an applicant literally asked me that same question yesterday andrew all we do in our downtime between steven and i is share stories from fireside (laughs) like we have 
four years of emotional ups and downs and sideways and there's so much there and to pick one it's like picking your favorite you child but there's something coming you to mind so i have a, I, I i have a few um and i'm sure tom actually has a few as, as well uh last year and really every year on our saturday night which is our last evening uh is really for me and i'm sure most people are most emotional evening um you know, you Stephen. How many times have you cried at fire? So I, I cry an unlimited number of times because I'm <laughs> I'm a huge softy. So like I just me too. No worries. I literally cry just because I'm a, an emotional guy and I wear everything. I'd be the worst poker player on earth because I wear <laughs> it all on my face. Uh, and I think last year, honestly, raising a ton of money uh, for Luke Anderson and the Stopgap Foundation. Uh, Luke was was. Uh, was was injured in, in in a terrible biking accident a few years ago and started an incredible foundation here in in, in Toronto and I believe it's it's at least uh, across Canada and perhaps North America and uh, he he attended last year and it was it was difficult uh, but we we made it comfortable and like and- talk about about this notion of owning discomfort right and we have people that from time yes, to time will that. complain about being a little bit cold or oh you know the the food was a little bit right. late coming out right. or whatever or the coffee's a so, little bitter and here's luke this incredible adventurous amazing inspiring person who uh, is now a, a, a paraplegic and uh after a, a bicycling accident and uh, he gets around in a wheelchair and he comes up to this campground that's two and a half hours away from the city. Half the buildings originally would have been difficult for him to get into, but we worked with camp to retrofit the entire camp to make it accessible, which was, I think, something that we are really proud of yes. that we were able to have done. But just seeing his positive attitude throughout the whole weekend and then he didn't know that we were raising money right. for him. So, so we, we have a very special fireside auction that we run uh, and we'll certainly do it again. this Which year. came about organically. Yes. Like we had never set out to raise money for charity. It just sure. had never really crossed our minds. And then two years ago on a whim of a suggestion from someone in our community, probably five minutes before, literally five minutes before we went to Saul, who's the owner of the camp and said, Hey, we're going to give away two fireside tickets for next year. Can you run an auction? And we raised like $15,000. This was a couple of years ago. And we realized, wow, we have this powerful, giving, generous community. And we have an opportunity to raise money for an incredible cause. And so we repeated it last year for Luke and his organization, Stopgap. And he didn't even know that we were doing this. We didn't even really know that we were doing it. And I just remember the evening being incredibly cold and kind of damp. And And stressful. It was a stressful stressful evening. It was... It was just, but mixed in with that, and this is what we were saying with owning discomfort before, mixed in with that was just this moment that I can't describe in words. It was, I I couldn't stop crying. It was, it was not just the fact that we had given this amazing donation to the Stopgap Foundation, but it was that all of our attendees were in one building. We were all together nobody was wanting for anything at that moment. And I can almost guarantee you that people were cold and exhausted and so happy. And to look around the room and see that and see the look on Luke's face 
when he started crying. Oh, I was, that, I was, was done. That was I was cool. toast when he started crying. So, you know what? It's funny at the beginning when you asked me that question, I really wasn't sure the answer. And then like, there's just no question that that to me is. Well, and then it, that turned into our uh, talent, oh, talent show, show right. which was um, an incredible that too. array of music yeah. from us, from the community coming together. It was this emotional high starting with what the community did for Luke and then into this talent show with live music. That was probably the height of emotion I've felt in four years. Right. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, and it's those moments that are so unscripted. I mean, we have Mm -hmm. schedules, we have things like that, but the best moments really in life are generally those surprise moments, those chance encounters and Mm -hmm. whatever we can do to just, you know, I saw uh, who we interviewed last week said, you know, all we can do is set the table, right? All we can do is set the table for those interactions and these moments to happen. Uh, and and I'm getting emotional thinking about this now, uh, you know, just that we're, we're, we're proud of, of what our guests have dined on. So that's cool. probably it on that. Great answer, guys. Thanks. Well, thanks, Andrew. And uh, once again, thank you for being on the show. I encourage everyone from Fireside to check out startupwatching.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. It's the best, best in the business when it comes to news related to the startup world. It's incredibly curated. And if you're from the startup watching community, I encourage you to visit firesideconf.com slash startupwatching, where we have something extra special there for you. So, Thank you again, Andrew, for being on the show and uh, for everyone for listening. This week was something new for us and something special as well. Thank you guys so much. I can't wait to see you at Fireside this year. Thank you. Likewise. Likewise. Bye, everyone. Bye, y'all.